We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Chris Birchby, a relatively new entrant into the high stakes field. However, in just one year of competition, he won nearly $25,000, including a fourth place overall finish in the 2016 FFPC main event. In this episode, we talk about who he has invested in most this year, how he is treating the Colts and drafts with the Andrew Luck injury, and what value can be found in the Jets passing game. You can follow Birchby on Twitter at Chris Birchby. Also to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion David Hubbard. The winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest along with his co-manager Nelson Sousa, Hubbard tells us how he modifies his rankings in the preseason, whether he thinks Todd Gurley bounces back this year, and more. You can follow Hubbard on Twitter at 208-858-740. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, David Hubbard. David, preseason is underway. We are entering uh, week two of the NFL preseason action. So based on what you see or what you have seen, what you're about to see in preseason, are you ready to make any significant changes to your pre-draft rankings based on what you see on the field? Um, Or do you think there is a danger in doing that and and maybe overcorrecting based upon these guys aren't always going to be going against NFL starters when they're making these plays? Yeah, of course, we uh, we watch every preseason game, uh, try to glean what we can from it, but we try not to let the preseason bias what we uh, our, our initial thought process. We found over the years when you uh, put too much stock in, a, in what uh, happens in a preseason game when a guy's playing against third-string players or something, uh, that it's been a negative result. So we tend to stick with our initial uh uh, our, our initial uh, reaction: What we use the preseason for? Make sure guys are in shape. They look they look right, like they did the previous year, and uh, that's mainly what we use the preseason for. On that note, I just I'm curious because Kenny Galladay actually had a big uh, preseason week one uh, on the field. Now he wasn't going against starters, but you know the two touchdowns are two touchdowns. Are you guys have you been taking uh, you know you and 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 Nelson and and Austin and all in your co-managers? Have you, have you seen yourself taking? flyers on Kenny Galladay late, or are you guys staying away? I have not really taken much. I know about Kenny Galladay. I know his talent level, but that situation I don't think favors him this year, uh, and I won't be pushing him up. I've seen him go in drafts early, and the guys that got him late might uh, might have a good value there, and they can use the guy, but uh, I take that with a grain of salt. I, don't think, I think in the pecking order he'll be uh, way down the list of options when the season gets started. Well, one of the primary guys who is not way down the pecking list as far as how the Rams plan on moving the ball this year is Todd Gurley. Uh, Sean McVay takes over as the head coach there. Uh, Much more creative offensive mind than Jeff Fisher was. Do you think that, A, does Todd Gurley bounce back this year overall from a fantasy standpoint? And, B, do you think that he gets utilized in the passing game a little bit more under McVay? Uh, Gurley's definitely an interesting guy this year. Uh, And where he goes in drafts, like I've done my fair share of drafts, and you might see Gurley go in the middle of the second, and then you might see Gurley go in the middle of the third. So I think uh, him being on the Rams one affects uh, the way people draft him. And uh, I think McVay will have a big impact on him. I don't know if it'll be this year or if it'll be next year, but definitely I think uh, uh, the arrows pointing up on Todd Gurley with McVay there. McVay's going to definitely help that offense all the way around. David, at, at certain points of the football guys' drafts, the main event drafts, the FFPC drafts, uh, drafters start, um, quote-unquote, swinging for the fences. In other words, they try to take these uh, lottery ticket-type guys, guys that probably will not have an impact on their fantasy season, but if things fall the right way, they could have a massive impact uh, on their fantasy season. At what point do you find yourself usually start swinging for the fences and, and taking these high upside, extremely low floor guys? I wouldn't call it swinging for the fences. I evaluate each person, uh, each player in the NFL before the drafting season starts. And what I use, and I go through the preseason to see if the coaches uh, are going to use the guy in the appropriate way. So I, I don't know if there's a lot of swing for the fences type guys this year in, in fantasy. I think I think people that draft fantasy uh, get carried away with that, and when they're done, they have a bunch. They have a, a, a team that's never going to do anything because their team 
full of guys that they think swing for the fence picks when they would have been better off taking a, a solid player at a certain uh, several points in the draft rather than swing uh, for the fence type guys. I, I was guilty of that when I first started drafting fantasy football teams. And uh, I think that's a mistake where you fill your team full of guys that might not even play. They got a lot of talent and maybe, uh, but it, uh, again, coaching matters in the NFL and what, what a coach might do with a player. I've seen it over and over again. By and large, Dave, do you think that you're the, the quote unquote solid teams, the, the teams that you draft, um, you know, not necessarily um, for these, um, you know, big time, high ceiling, low floor guys. But when, when you concentrate on solid players, do you think you've cashed in, in a large, larger number of those as uh, opposed to the opposite? I would say definitely so. I would say that's definitely uh, true. A lot of times the guys that uh, you think uh, have a lot of upside uh, and you take your, like I said, you fill your team full of those guys, and then your team's just middle of the pack. Where, where if you take a guy that has a role and and, and uh, they're going to use him, then that, that's a better way to draft. I think. Final question before I let you go, Dave. A, a big news out of uh, out of the well, New York, New York, I guess, is where the announcement came from in the NFL offices. But um, Martavis Bryant has been reinstated on a on the pre for the preseason, so he is allowed to practice, play in preseason games. Uh, has not yet been reinstated for the NFL regular season, uh, based on the fact that we still, you know. I think a lot of people think it's a foregone conclusion. God knows what the NFL is capable of. But how are you treating Martavis Bryant uh, right now in drafts, and how do you see the Bryant situation playing out by the time main event drafts roll around here in, in less than a month? I think uh, even Roger Goodell will get that one right, and uh, he'll he'll be back playing. I think that's a foregone conclusion. It's uh, I guess it's some kind of uh, he hadn't done some necessary regulatory paperwork, and that's what's holding up the final approval but the kid basically has done everything right so i'm sure he'll he'll be fine he's another guy that's there's a wide range on him i see people uh draft him early and then i see him slide in drafts he has a wide wide range in in the high stakes drafts i've been involved in yeah. you get in a draft with some guys and they'll fire him up way early and you get another draft and people don't even don't even draft him so he's a, he's a guy like you're talking about a high high floor ceiling uh and it just what your personal preference and your risk tolerance or my risk tolerance can be higher than another guy's risk tolerance. Uh, so that, that'll determine where he goes. But I think, I think ultimately he'll play this year. I don't, I don't think, I think that's a foregone conclusion. David Hubbard, it has been a, uh, a wild ride checking in with you this summer. I, if things are only going to get crazier from here on out, best of luck to you uh, in the rest of drafting season. And we'll check in with you, uh, see how your teams are doing as you defend the 2016 FFPC Main Event Championship belt. Thanks for checking in again with us this week, man. Thanks, Walkie. I appreciate it. Good talking with you, buddy. Thanks to David Hubbard for his input this week. Now here's $25,000 FFPC winner Chris Birchby giving us the high-stakes lowdown. Chris, uh, when you are not playing high-stakes fantasy football, uh, what are you doing for a living? I started, I'm a founder and CEO of a sun care company. So I started um, over 10 years ago, a company called Kula. We make high-end organic and prestige sunscreens 
I have another company called Bear Republic. We make uh, sunscreens that you can find those in Target, Kula's, like Sephora, Ulta, Nordstrom, high-end resorts and spas. So um, certainly not what I set out to do. It was kind of a, a, a funny path. I went to grad school for art. I thought I was going to be a painter. I played professional poker for about six years uh, while I was supposed to be letting the paint dry in my studio after grad school. And that was the seed money that ended up starting the sunscreen business. I got into it with um, uh, just kind of very naively. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the beach growing up. My parents, unfortunately, both had had melanoma around the same time, caught it in time, but it caused me to really assess a lot of the damage I've been doing to my own skin. I was living in Venice, California, experienced organic for the first time after moving out from New Jersey and started up the sunscreen company kind of on a, on a lark. And it really took off after uh, 10 years of hard work. So it was uh, not really an overnight success, but we're really happy with where it is. I've got a fantastic team. We're based here in San Diego, California, and I love what I do. Kulasuncare.com for anybody who wants to check that out. And definitely, uh, you put in a lot of hard work in that. It has paid off. You put in a lot of hard work drafting and managing some some season-long teams as well. Uh, and that hard work actually paid off last year. You took uh, $10,000 for placing fourth in the main event in the FFPC last year, beating out well over a 1,000 other teams in the process. With so much on the line in Week 16, Chris, tell us what it was like uh, you know, watching the NFL games that weekend. Well, you know, I, I remember it really clearly watching the games out with my, my family's house, my parents' house out in um, uh, New York in Long Island and trying to explain to the whole family and extended family how much was on the line and how interested I was in the game. And um, all my mom wanted was you know, helping the kitchen shopping stuff up and getting ready with the whole family and kids running around for the holidays. So it was it was a lot of fun you know, getting uh, some of my brothers and uh, uh, family together to watch the games. Really exciting watching it at that point. I mean, I had a, a great stacked team. It was really um, the Le'Veon Bell, and I, and I know uh, um, uh, Hubbard and, and Sosa won it. We had the same top three running backs going into um, the playoffs with the championship teams as far as um, Johnson, Bell, and McCoy. And that was where um, we were able to stack up with the, the Bell with the um, the the games off, you know, similar to you know maybe what some people are trying to do with Zeke this year. But um, it was really exciting, and it was you know came down to it at the very end. I made a couple poor lineup changes that I'll always be regretting. Um, I think I started uh, Malcolm. Well, I know I did Malcolm Mitchell um, in uh, week 16. That was a, a total mistake. Um, I had a Stafford and Manning, and I know I, I, I think I should have had Manning, but uh, uh, no, I should have had. I, uh, those other guys had Stafford as well, so I took Manning, and that was a mistake, but. It was, you know, there's nothing like watching games with that much on the line. And it really, it takes it to the next level. It's super exciting. I want to get into something that you had mentioned there. <clears throat> of course, David Hubbard and, and Nelson Sousa, who won the uh, main event last year. Uh, you guys basically had the same three running backs that you had started and really rode those same three running backs all year last year. And last year, I, I've said this over and over again, was really the rise of, of zero RB. We saw so many teams do it in the FFPC last year. And yet... You take fourth with with a heavy running back squad, 
and then uh, you know Hubbard and Sousa take first with using their first three picks on running backs as well. Do you think that um, you know this year again is is um, is the smart strategy to to maybe go after those running backs early, or do you think last year was was kind of an anomaly how that worked out? Well, I think it was a little of an anomaly just because the top tier there, there was such separation between them and the rest of the field. And because of this, um, the suspension with Bell, you were able to kind of stack those guys up and just try to play through and get to the playoffs and then get on a nice run. You know, this year, what I'm seeing is, um, yeah, I've drafted a ton of, uh, the football guys championship teams already here and I'm just playing around with a lot of different strategies. I think it is, uh, another good year to go zero RB, honestly. I think there's a lot of these, Top tier running backs, a lot of question marks as far as season long availability and durability. And uh, there's a lot of people that are going in that direction of stacking up on RVs this year. So you can really load up on um, a top if you want to go four wide receivers in a row. Um, I just referenced it just to the draft last night from the eight spot. I got Green, Bryant, Allen, and Pryor to start and then was able to stack Ware, Gillisley, Johnson on top with then ProSice and Jamal Williams, Connor, and Burkhead later on to round it out. And so you can really take advantage, I think, of the kind of contrarian almost, uh, 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 which, you know, zero RB, which might be this year. I think a lot of people are going heavy on those running backs. Um, you know, that, that said, I think there's tons of value in the middle rounds for wide receiver this year. Uh, you know, there's still like, if you can get, I mean, Macklin going in like the ninth round in a lot of these drafts, um, you know, Parker, I think, is a tremendous amount of upside as well with Cutler there as a one. I mean, you can really find some potential wide receiver ones later in the draft and load up on some of these running backs early. So I don't think there's one right way. I think there's a lot of exciting ways to compose your team this year. And it's just kind of really getting a feel for the texture of the draft board as you're building your team. And, and that's that's why I love um, contests like the uh, the Football Guys Championship where you can really – kind of play around with a bunch of different teams and assortments, you know, over the, uh, the two, three months leading up to the season as ADP and just really load up on um, kind of high variance teams uh, to, for the best shot at that 250,000. One of the guys you just mentioned was uh, Mike Gillisley and, and to get into some player evaluation here, Chris, uh, the in- initial depth chart for both Cincinnati and new England uh, had who, who, FFPC drafters are drafting as the starters in, in those offenses at running back, Joe Mixon and Mike Gillisley. They have them both listed uh, at third string. Now, when you look at that uh, and, and know where Mixon and Gillisley are going in drafts, have, has that given you pause to maybe slow down drafting those guys at their current ADP, or are you not worried given that this is just the first depth chart release of the preseason? I think if there's any dip, it's a huge buying opportunity. I'm I'm really loaded up on Gillisley, and not that I'm super comfortable about that actually, because who really knows? I think for both coaches, it's definitely motivational tactics. And Gillisley was a little injured there, so they, he wasn't um, practicing, so they him his third string, I think. Um, Mixon, you know, after that pre, I think everyone know going into it, his talent is just off the charts, and they wouldn't have picked him up that early with his baggage if they weren't going to be playing him a ton. Uh, you know, and, and seeing those reports, I love when somebody tweets, uh, Hill's going to be starting for the year. Hill's going to get a bunch of starts. And if there's a draft that night, um, Mixon falls a, a, an additional like six spots, maybe, maybe even around because of that. It's just a huge buying opportunity. And that's one of the reasons why I love drafting so much preseason because you, you really want to kind of time that ebb and flow 
of the news cycle. And as soon as somebody dumps on someone just because they, you know, need to put something up on Twitter or want to get some chatter going and people start getting down on someone, it's, I just think it's a huge buying opportunity. And Gillisley, well, you know, that running back field is very crowded there. Um, you know, they've, uh, getting any share of that New England running back situation, I think is fantastic. Um, Blount's 18 touchdowns last year. Well, it's going to be hard to repeat. Uh, can't be overstated just how important that that backfield can be. And if you can pick him up as your RB2, if you're going a zero RB strategy and start from there and then pick up a couple of these kind of PPR specialists like Johnson, Riddick on top to kind of balance it out and, and pick your weeks, I think you're in a great spot. Chris, you, uh, you, you already talked about how many football guys drafts you have uh, that you've built already uh, as far as roster construction goes there. Can you give us a couple of the players? Uh, you mentioned Mike Gillisley that you own a lot this year. A couple other players that you find yourself invested in quite a bit so far this season? Well, you know, I, I love the, the feature on uh, the uh, manager team on the uh, football guy site where you can go and uh, first it makes it great for in-season roster management. I and mean, that's one, the only way that I could even possibly manage so many teams here um, with the football guys and the reason why I love the site so much uh, because it makes it possible to manage all the teams. But um, Tyree Kill. I am so overweight on him. I've got him in, I think, like 40% or something of my uh, my teams. I'm trying not to draft him now because I am so overweight on him, but I just love him, especially a lot of times you can pick him up as like a wide receiver four in some, some of these drafts, especially some of the early season drafts, where, again, in the news cycle, people were comparing him to Tavon Austin and calling him very gadgety, and he's not going to deliver. You know, they wouldn't have let Macklin go. I mean, he's got so much upside um, there with Hill. And I think that 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 is um, going to be a ton of value um, in drafts. Guys that I've been taking, like for example, in the first round, I've been loading up a lot on AJ, AJ Green. I'm often passing over Evans um, uh, and even uh, McCoy and um, Gordon, um, and grabbing Green, starting with a um, a couple wide receivers there. I just think that you know when you look at where he was last year, um, as far as the leading wide receiver one. Um, before kind of getting injured there, he's just got a huge volume uh, share, and he's he's gonna. I mean, he's he's a guy that I feel very confident on. Um, Ebron, <laughs> I I have a lot of him. He's a guy right now that a coach I don't like. He just came out and said uh, he's gonna get six more than that. Uh, but I think that there's just a ton of upside with Bolden out. Although with uh, Galladay kind of really showing up in a big way as a red zone threat. I, I don't really like that, but I've a lot of Ebron and Rudolph as my tight ends. And then later in drafts, I've just been loading up on these running backs who have the potential to become um, three down stars if the uh, lead back goes down. And so, you know, there's guys like you know, Jonathan Williams and James. In my drafts, and I try to just uh, stick them on my team as soon as I can get them there, in, in the hopes that the, you know they become uh, the guys who are going to win the championship later in the season if something bad happens to the starting running back. There's uh, an interesting conundrum for fantasy players this year in New York, and, and that's regarding the Jets, where they just have a lack of not you know just a lack of talent overall on the team, but especially among the skill players. Eric Decker's gone, Brandon Marshall's gone, Quincy and Nunwa is out for the season. You know. Given the fact that the Jets are not going to be very good and typically teams that aren't very good 
tend to throw a lot in the second half to try to either keep up or try to catch up in the game. Do you see any fantasy value in, in drafts this year among their skill position players, the, the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends? Is there any value there uh, in your football guys' drafts that you've seen? Uh, unfortunately, I was going really heavy in on a none um, around like 10, 11, 12 when you could get them there early in the season. I always try to target guys who are going to be wide receiver ones in their offense. Um, Robbie Anderson, I just don't know about him. I do have uh, some shares of him. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, and he's just such an athletic stud. Uh, he's a knucklehead who hopefully turned it around. And I think guys, when you know their agents and family, if they've really kind of got through to them that listen, this is your this is your last chance. You're an athletic freak. If you can just get your head on straight and con- concentrate, you've got a couple years in your life to do this. Um, I mean, he he could be a, a total monster there because who else are they really throwing the ball to? And especially with the quarterback situation, um, finding a six-six friendly target who's you know only going to be like ten yards downfield is, I think, when the the rush is coming in, he's going to get a lot of targets. And so I've been loading up with him late, um, especially in uh, a format like the football guys with the one point five PPR for tight ends. Um, I've been going heavy on him. I just, you know, a lot of people are in on Powell. I, I just don't see how, you know, what is he, 29? He's never really kind of been the lead back, but suddenly he's a stud. Um, I, I just don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable drafting him or Forte that much. We uh, want to stay in the AFC here and, and talk about Andrew Luck because um, we're, we're starting to get a little bit more clarity as far as what what has been going on with, with his offseason. It sounds like he has been throwing, but maybe not throwing at, at full speed or full strength so far. Uh, the Colts coming out this uh, past week and saying that he should be ready around week one, whatever that means. Um, but as as we, we get more clarity, there, there's kind of more uh, unknown um you know, a, a to-do list as far as what to do with the Colts pass catchers, T.Y. Hilton, Dante Moncrief, Jack Doyle among them. Have you been shying away from any of these Colts knowing that we don't really know exactly what's going on with Andrew Luck right now? I see a huge buying opportunity again. You know, keep on piling on the bad news. Even if Luck me, um, if you're getting him, I mean, I'm ball ninth, tenth round um, of, uh, of drafts. And you can quickly pair him up with another top flight quarterback to pick in for a couple of these weeks if you need to. I think this is a big buying opportunity. Doyle, I've been seeing him drop, drop, drop. And I love Swope, but um, I mean, Doyle's catch uh, percentage, I think it's something insane. I mean, he just like, he's, his, he's got the softest hands. It's like 76% or something crazy. He's, he's always catching the ball and luck. Uh, loves that. I mean, any quarterback's going to love that. So I think there's just a big buying opportunity there. Uh, Moncrief, I'm not as convinced on his hands. I do have a bunch of shares on him because I, you know, he is he has been falling also. But I would really, I've been um, trying to scoop up some luck and Doyle wherever I can. And, and actually, in Hilton too. I got I got Hilton on the two three turn of uh, the draft the other day. And um, I mean, if you you start out with David Johnson and then you can get like. Uh, T.Y. Hilton and Amari Cooper on the two-three turn there. I mean, that's a that's a very solid start. We had um, I, I saw a tweet from Jared Smola from Draft Sharks uh, the other day uh, talking about how he has seen in his FFPC drafts and his Football Guys drafts that there's there's been a lot of teams 
beginning their draft with a Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey start. And as you mentioned, the tight end premium format is, is why we see that. And I've, I've seen that, you know, facilitating a lot of online drafts uh, so far this season. I've seen a lot of teams do that with, with the Gronk-Kelsey start. Is this a strategy that you yourself have tried at all this summer, getting those two elite tight ends in rounds one and two? You know, I I haven't, but I'm not against that. It's just it always seems like it's you you got to be in the you know 11 at the 12 at the turn if you really want to try to pick those guys up. Um, a resource that I love to use on the football guy site, David uh, Dodds. I love his projections um, for uh, points in the football guys players format, and he has both of those guys around 270 points for the year. Just for comparison. Two other guys you can get right of that turn would be like Jordy Nelson and Michael Thomas, who also have very similar projections. I've been loading up on turns like that instead of the Gronk and Kelly. Not to say the right or wrong way, it's just kind of what I found myself doing. However, as I was thinking about it, um, you know, you can really find a lot more wide receiver value later in the draft than you can in uh, some tight end. I mean, it certainly drops off a cliff after some of these first guys where you can find some wide receiver one potential guys later on. I mean, there's certainly some tight end value there too, but I've seen it. I think it's great for best ball um, as far as for roster management. I'm, I'm really high on Kelsey. I, I pick him up a lot uh, wherever I don't have Hill. Um, if I get Kelsey, I try not to get Hill. If I don't have Kelsey, I try to get Hill. I I really I love Mahomes. I hope he becomes a quarterback at some point in the season. But you know I haven't used it. But I think that that's a, a you know it it uh, could be the strategy this year. We uh we we've seen another riser coming up uh, the boards at uh, the wide receiver position here over the last I want to say like two or three weeks. Um maybe even a little bit before that, but it's really spiked over the last two or three weeks. And that's Pierre Garcon. He is a guy that you know was being drafted in double digit rounds months ago. Um you know after he had signed with San Francisco, and now he just keeps moving on up. And now if you want to draft him in a football guys draft or an FFPC draft, you're probably going to have to use your seventh round pick on him. Uh, and in some cases case a sixth round depending upon where you pick in the seventh um with him moving up draft boards where do you stand on him chris where, you know with pierre garçon this year what kind of season do you view him having it, well Coyer uh, is kind of it i mean and they're going to be playing a, a fast-paced offense there and he is going to be the target hog i do have a lot of shares of garçon i am high on him um but i'm high on him Early season drafting, yes, yeah, closer to 10, uh, 10 rounds, maybe an even nine. You know, I see him routinely going in. And so uh, if he's, if I like him a lot. I mean, I remember back in the beginning of the season, this was really nice trucking in the uh, earlier on, uh, where you could load up on guys like Kelvin and Pierre Garçon in eight, um, nine. And, I mean, all these guys have uh, a ton of potential and, uh, and upside later on. So I do, I do love him. I think, you know, I've seen a lot of analysts that uh, he's kind of their sleeper pick. I don't think he's a sleeper pick anymore, as you can see with his ADP up there. I think he's right around where he should be. I think if you can get him, sixth round might be, uh, you know, just starting to be a little reachy, but I, I still feel confident getting him anywhere like around that kind of turn, around six, seven. Drafting season is really starting to heat up as we are in mid-August now. We are less than a month away from the start of the NFL season. And not only FFPC and football guys drafters, but drafters everywhere really getting set for uh, many of their fantasy drafts at this point of the season. 
as everybody is heading into those drafts, Chris, what's some advice that you can give them this year based on your experience, not only, um, you know, in previous years, but especially this season, given that you have drafted so many teams already, what's some advice that you can give them uh, this year that may have not necessarily applied to previous year's drafts? Well, I think that the number one advice, and this does apply for all years drafts, is try not to go in with a set strategy and, and really kind of play the board, find value, and build your team as you're going. Um, playing a lot of drafts, doing a lot of drafts early, you really develop a feel for the texture of the board and kind of where different tiers and drop-offs are. Just so, for example, when you're looking at running backs, you know, there is kind of a drop-off that happens after um, Carlos Hyde-ish around, you know, the four or five turn. And then if you want to wait, you know, you know, then you get kind of into the Spencer Ware, Abdullah, Gillisley, Woodhead, Ingrammy crowd there. And so I feel, you know, when you're playing your draft, you don't want to miss out, kind of get greedy and miss out on your run. If you wanted, you know, if you feel like you need to add a good running back to the mix, um, you just be aware of where kind of the drop offs are. Same thing for the tight ends. You know, there seems to be at a certain point of, you know, this kind of Ebron, Martellus Bennett, um, Hunter Henry Doyle kind of drop off after that. If you, you know, then there's, uh, there's a bigger, um, you know, gap of a couple rounds where there's really not so much value there to be had to make sure that if you want right near the tail end of that, instead of just it and being, I think that there's a lot of value to the tail end of those. And, but you have to be aware of so an opportunity when you to 12 13 to get a little early on some of these top tier running uh, backup running backs who could become the three down stud and it's very rare these days obviously to have a three round uh, uh, three three um, uh, back stud uh, on a team uh, you know guys like again you know Connor Jonathan Williams um, if you can start kind of reaching a little bit and getting them uh, Jamal Williams even now guys like that it's I think you're putting yourself in a good position against really big field tournaments. And so instead of playing ADP, I get a little reachy on those guys as well. Uh, final question, Chris, uh, before uh, we let you go today, I'm, I'm curious if there is a, a guy that stands out to you in the first round or really the first few rounds of FFPC drafts uh, that you've been avoiding, that you think is going to be a bust this year that you would advise people not to draft. Is there that player for you this year? And then maybe a, a guy that is flying under the radar right now, a sleeper that you have uh, really targeted in the latter uh, rounds of your football guys drafts. Um, looking at my draft boards, I have so little Jordan Reed. It's crazy. I just have been avoiding him. I think guys around him, Jimmy Graham, Olsen, of course, Kelsey, those guys, um, even Rudolph, just with the uh, PPR and the, the volume share there, have offer a much safer value. So um, I've really been avoiding Reed uh, for where he's at. Um, guys later on in the draft, I've been loading up on like Corey Davis. Again, that's one of those guys where I think it's a buying opportunity right now. Um, he was giving him, I mean, first you pick five in the draft and pick him there to uh, sit him or share time. And they started him right away on the X spot uh, in the practice scene. He was, he was dominating. And if he wasn't injured right now, we'd be getting updates every day of him dominating and he'd be flying up draft boards. So where he's at right now, I just see a huge value. C.J. Fedorowicz as well, especially with Fuller down. Uh, if you look at how he's been trending over the last couple of years, and especially with a, a you know inexperienced or rookie quarterback um, with you know either Savage or 
um, Watson in there. I think that uh, he's going to be soaking up targets, and he's a huge. What is he? Six seven. I mean, he's huge red zone presence as well. So he's a guy that I've been grabbing a lot later in rounds as well. Well, a, a huge presence in the fantasy football draft rooms at the FFPC and football guys uh, drafts so far this season has been you. It's been certainly uh, enjoyable to listen to uh, to your advice and, and what you've seen so far in drafting season. I think that this is going to help a lot of people as they prep for their drafts too, Chris. I wish you uh, best of luck this year in all of your drafts, and, and who knows, maybe you'll climb up from fourth place overall in the main event uh, to first place this year. We'll, we'll have to see. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Hey, it's a real honor to be here. I'm super excited. I'll be out in Vegas for the drafts this year for the first time. So I look forward to getting to meet a lot of the guys and uh, and women that I've been drafting against for so long and, and, and playing against. It's really a great community. I love being part of it. And I think the FFPC is is absolutely hands down the uh, the best uh, format software and operation running and you know happy to be a part again. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. They call you the Grill Master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.